0: Welcome to another episode of the Bible Feed podcast. We're doing another overview of a biblical book today. We've done quite a few in the Old Testament, and then we've done just, I think, only one in the New Testament so far. So this is another New Testament biblical book overview. As in previous episodes like this, we we try and fit the book in the overall biblical story. We examine the structure. We try and find out some key themes, maybe take a deeper dive or two. And the idea is we really try and get a hold of what the writers were trying to communicate as a whole. That's the idea. So today we're going to be looking, well, actually, not just one book of the New Testament, but three. And uh, it's the Letters of John. So Lawrence, you're here with me. We're going to try and work out what these letters mean. So uh, so welcome, Lawrence.
1: Thank you for having me. Thank you.
0: It's good to have you, Lawrence. Thanks. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Letters of John where are we talking about in the in the biblical story
1: yeah so you you mentioned that we're in the new testament but in terms of time we are in the first century and we're deep into that first century deep into the apostolic era that, that we find there lots of lots of missionary journeys had already happened churches had been established and things were growing christianity was growing so that's the kind of that's where we are in the Bible. So that gives
0: us immediately a little bit of the historical background, I suppose, in general terms. Do, do we have anything, any more particular sort of historical background for these three letters?
1: Yeah, so I mean, when you look at the commentaries about these letters, you get a series of probabilities. <laughs> so some of these things we can't be absolutely certain about. We get okay. a series of probabilities. So in terms of like who the author was in our Bibles, uh, it says 1 John two john three john so somebody called john did it and we presume that uh with probably very good reason that this is the same john that wrote the gospel mainly because there's some striking similarities between the contents of these letters and the gospel even some of the language that's used talking about faith and belief um which is a huge subject of the gospel so in terms of that first probably it's probably john the, the gospel writer another probably is that they are late first century so we can't exactly nail down the date but we know that people like Polycarp cited 1 John and he was around about 100 AD so we're probably in the 90s AD is when when these were written and then in terms of who they were to it's not absolutely explicit who these were to but it's thought that this was probably a circular letter as some of the other letters were so You know, we see a very simple statement in the second chapter of of 1 John. It says, my little children, I am writing these things to you that you may not sin. So the reason that John was writing this was in order to help a community in churches in, in probably across the Asia to not sin. But then even more specifically, if we were looking at the context of why this was written, not from a historical point of view, but from more from what the situation in those churches were, we see various references to something called the Antichrist. And right, you know, mystical thing, it's fairly evident that that was a group of believers or people who had been hanging around in the church and had either caused problems on left. 2 John 18, children in the last hour, as I've heard, that Antichrist is coming. Now, many of the Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us. And then these things are brought out in the next letter as well. So in 2 John, it talks about deceivers and Antichrists and, and then how to deal with them. So it was probably mm. a group of people who were causing a bit of a bother in those early churches.
0: Yeah, okay. So that's really helpful to see a bit of a link there as well then between the, the first letter and well, at least the second letter of John. And I think we'll hopefully go and see that, that 3 John has something similar as well. Okay. So lots of probabilities. Things are a bit ambiguous, but there's a general background to maturing Christian churches later on in the apostolic era with various issues that they're dealing with. Okay. So, let's start with the first John and and let's think about structure. Is there any kind of discernible structure in the, in this in this letter?
1: <laughs> first of all, it's a letter. It's obviously a letter because it says I'm writing this to you. You know, my little children I'm writing these things to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's one of the strangest letters that I've ever seen in terms of its structure. So if you you know when you write a letter cuz 1 John is in our Bibles between 2 Peter and I think it's, is it Jude? This is the one after? Yeah, so Jude is the one after the letters. Both of which, if you look at how they're written, they have a greeting at the beginning. So they say things like, hello, Simeon, Peter, a servant of the apostle Jesus, and I'm, and I'm coming along to talk to you about X, Y, and Z. And then at the end of them, they have some yeah. final words and say, be good and look after yourself, etc. And and But 1 John is very much not like not like that so look at the way that one john starts that which is from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life that was good Very Lawrence
0: Are you, you're rivaling David Suchet in his NIV reading
1: <laughs> yeah that's yeah I haven't Should got the stamina get you an I haven't got the stamina for that well you've done one I verse, verse yeah. or half of a verse <laughs> right. with the letter structure we usually have an ending and like we said with those other letters and the last verse it's a strange little verse which we see finishing this letter little children keep yourself from idols. Okay. So it's a very strange structure in terms of a letter.
0: Yeah, and, and am, am I right in thinking that idols, that he hasn't really been talking about idols, has he? At least in the rest of the, the letter, the, the word hasn't come up, I think. No. So, you know, that's, that's really, it's really strange, isn't it? Just to suddenly say that at the end.
1: Yeah, and I think you have to look into some of the other themes that crop up to try and connect the dots with that last verse. That, you know, we'll come on to this a little bit. The fact that he's, He's referencing back to Old Testament stuff and um, other things which might be taking their time and energy. The fact that these antichrists, which might be leading them away, you know, so I, not, mm. I, not necessarily in idols in the conventional sense of getting a bit of wood and carving something, but maybe mm. maybe something else. So, yeah, it is. It's a strange structure and okay. then and like just maybe just to finish that that there's kind of two points to, to kind of raise around around the structure. And there's th- There seem to be themes that are wrapped around two things and two descriptions of God. So we have God is light and we have God is love. And so, you know, in terms of the structure, it's massively ambiguous and lots of themes which just wrap around these two core statements. God is light. God is love.
0: That's really interesting. I think every one that we've done of of these sorts of episodes, we've seen how important it is to sort of outline the structure. And it's perhaps been a bit more conventional in the other ones we've looked at. But here, yeah, there's a structure, but it's very different. It's these, it's almost these interwoven themes that run throughout the book. So that's what I think you're saying. So, yeah, so how do we find the themes? Or or how, you know, well, let, let's sort of dig into this a bit more, I suppose. Yeah. What what themes are they, you know?
1: Yeah, so we see this kind of non-linear repeating of the same types of things, the, t- the same themes, you know. Okay. So some of those m- might be love and hate, light and dark. So that comes up you know, a couple of times throughout. And interestingly, that's one of the little indicators that this might also be the same John from the Gospel of John, because those stark contrasts, you know, the kind of the black and white type contrast is then a theme that we see in the Gospel of John. So love and hate, light and dark is something that we see. We also see the theme of of keeping the commandments. That comes up a number of different times. And it's kind of like it cycles through these things and it comes back to keep the commandments obey the commandments and then it'll go on to another couple mm. of things and it's sort of structured around this kind of sort of roller coaster of the same themes so let's have a look at that that theme of of keeping keeping commandments and just see where it crops up in that in this first letter 1 john 2 verse 3 and 4 first of all so we've already said that i'm writing to you to to make sure you don't sin so sinning is breaking a command so we're kind of in the right place for so
0: okay And by this we know that we have come to know him If we keep his commandments Whoever says I know him But does not keep his commandments Is a liar and the truth is not in him Yeah
1: so truth and falsehood Is again another theme Mm -hmm. And this idea of Keeping commandments is something that that Repeats a couple of times So let's scan down to um, 2 verses 8 and 9 What do we read there at the same time, it's a new commandment
0: that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. yes
1: yeah. So again, now relating the same thing to love and hate and keeping, you know, how, how do you relate to your to your brothers? And again, mm. that's, that's then a dotted line all the way to 2 John and 3 John, because, okay, here is the... Here is the theory, but you're going to hear from me a bit about the practicalities Mm. in a minute. And then uh, there's loads of others, but let's just finish with the one in the last. You know, you think, okay, develop your story. Like when you're doing your, you know, my daughter's doing her English exams at the moment. You know, beginning, middle and end. (laughs) Develop your your themes. Well, let's go to the very last chapter. It's pretty much banging on about the same thing. So let's have a look in verse 3 of chapter 5.
0: Okay, so chapter 5 verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome.
1: So we're bringing together the theme of the love of God. So we've got to the love section of the letter. And again, he repeats, keep my commandments. So this Mm. is what I mean by you've got these kind of two pillars of light and love that are kind of stakes in the ground. And then wafting around those two stakes are these themes of of keeping commandments light and dark confidence lies and truth love and hate antichrist forgiveness all of these things are just just mm. circling around these two pillars
0: so it's almost like an immersive experience isn't it rather than just a strict sort of reading you know a series of of Statements that you sort of assent to, and as it were, or or reading a story, or or reading a piece of sort of rhetoric, like like Paul's letters are sort of very rhetorical arguments, aren't they? But but this is very much you're sort of just sitting in these statements and these ideas and these really repeated themes that come through. is there any way we can sort of make more sense of this as well what is there that we can that can help us sort of dive deeper in with these themes
1: so as i hinted at before there's links back to the old testament here and one way that you can think about 1 john at least and i think probably 2 john and 3 john is it's the torah with a twist so Ooh. this is looking at the things that happened in the first 5 books of the bible which you know, we've just finished doing our overview and are now yeah. available for listening to. <clears throat> so it's the Torah with a twist. So I'll give you an example. If we look at the right at the beginning of 1 John, it starts yeah. in a very similar way to the gospel of John, which is all about creation. It's all about light and darkness. Okay. And that takes us all the way back to, to Genesis. So this is taking us back to the first book of the Torah. Um, and like the first book of the Torah, things go pretty badly wrong and we have we have sins occurring in the garden which have pretty big implications for mankind and in one john we have that highlighted as well so it talks about us saying if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us so it's basically saying you're all sinners and so we're right deep back into genesis we're following the same story track as genesis you know Things have been created, light and dark, but now this, this mankind is on the scene and they are sinners. But in this case, we now have a twist in chapter two, verse one, we now have an advocate. So the advocate is with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so we have, you know, almost like links back to the storyline of, of the Torah, which they would have known about and this repeated failure of mankind that you can track through those, those books but here we have it being presented but then there's a difference it's the twist and the twist is Jesus is our advocate this is what you should be thinking about and you know man is in a pickle there is a there is a resolution to that it's it's Christ that is
0: really interesting and it's probably a shameful reflection on me actually that i when i think of 1 john or this letter particularly or maybe the three letters I don't instinctively think of them as being heavily rooted in the Old Testament. Perhaps that's just, you know, not being familiar with them, particularly as as much as other parts of the New Testament, say. But it seems right from the start, there is a real heavy reliance on Old Testament, on on Jewish culture and and thought and and going back to the Hebrew scriptures. And expounding them interpreting them in the light of Jesus yeah, exactly and, and right Dan, that
1: is exactly the point it's interpreting them in the context that Jesus has now come that's a really good way of putting it because if you look at another example is okay. you have this repeated theme of the commandments and so just in that second yeah. chapter and we've just we've read it already that little section if you keep his commandments it talks about keeping his commandments okay like if you were to go anywhere in the Bible and say right I've giving you a phrase, keep commandments, where do you go? Like, where, where do you go in the Bible?
0: You would instinctively think of the law, yeah. wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah, you, you'd go back to the Torah. So I
1: would yeah. go back probably to Deuteronomy 6 or 5 and 6, like the commandments are being given. Yeah. Keep my commandments is like a repeated theme of Deuteronomy. But then we have a twist. So we have, not only do we have the, the Deuteronomy, but we have Deuteronomy with a twist. So you see that then in 7 and 8, where it says, Beloved, I am writing to you no new commandment, but an old commandment that is from the beginning. The old commandment, that is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you. Why is it new? Because it's in Jesus. And so that, well, the point you made there was, it's like reinterpreting it with the context of Jesus. is It's really important. So like the commandments of love, had been there forever, like well, they've been there from De- through Deuteronomy, but now this is an old commandment, but like this also a new because Jesus is on the scene. Mm. So here we have Torah with a twist.
0: Good, it sounds like a new ice cream yeah. or something, doesn't it? No, that's great. Okay, so yeah, Jesus has come. He's shown people how to live Torah. He's shown people. How to fulfil Torah? To you know, this this is the ultimate expression of it. Which probably, I mean, we've not we've not done an overview of John's Gospel yet, but I can I can hear a few passages, a few verses from John's Gospel in my head as I, as I sort of speak this. You know, full of grace and truth. The law came from Moses, which was a good thing. This was a grace. This was a gift. But the grace and truth, the the ultimate expression of that, is shown in Jesus. Which isn't saying that God gave them a bad law, but He's showing them perfectly how this law is, is really shown and fulfilled.
1: Yeah, so I think maybe just to wrap that, that bit up in terms of like how you would interpret those themes and how you would apply them and this link back to the Old Testament, because there are then some ideas and characters that you get in, in 1 John in order to prove a point. So when it talks about, uh, you know, brothers hating each other, the first example of that is Cain and Abel. And so you get this okay. phrase in 1 John 3 verse 11, and if we should be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murderer murdered his brother, why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised. So you've got this uh, this introduction of like an example of how brothers hate each other and where does that come from? So not only are you introducing characters from the Old Testament in order to prove those points, it's introducing this this predicament in in man's nature, which is the evil one. Um, and the evil one crops up again in chapter five, verse 18. So again, this is close to the end of the letter. He's giving some exhortation here. We know that everyone has been born of God, does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. So there's this evil evil one thing that, that's been talked about. and and it's, it's already kind of given us a hint where to go and look for that. It says, "Go and have a look at the beginning of the Bible, Cain and Abel," and that's in mm. that's in Genesis four, verse six. And Genesis four, verse six is basically the first example of the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent in action.
0: So, when you say seed of the woman, seed of the serpent, you, you're talking about Genesis Genesis three sixteen, right. aren't you? And effectively, the prophecy that that God gives after after the, the rebellion of the man and the woman, Adam and Eve.
1: Yeah, so we have this brotherly contention. So Cain and Abel were both asked to offer and the offering of Abel was accepted probably because he was he was doing it for the right reasons. The offering of Cain was not accepted probably because he was doing it for the wrong reasons. And in Genesis 4 verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why, are you, why is, was your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door it's desire is for Mm. you but you must rule over it and so there's that character that we see the evil one character that we see in one john so there's like a hyperlink right the way back and it's used cain and abel as that signpost for us to go all the way back to the old testament and say oh look themes and ideas from the old testament is here and now we're practically living out a way, overcome the evil one or how to mm. overcome this problem.
0: Okay. Yeah. So so Cain murdered his brother Abel. And what John is saying is that in the practical outworkings of church life, you can in effect walk in the steps of Cain if you're not careful. You know, that, that's that's what he's saying, yeah. isn't he? You can be consumed by this, this sin thing crouching at the, at the door. It can rule over you. So uh, what what we've gone through so far, I, I can hear sort of some of the resonances between this strange letter with the strange opening, strange ending and just no real structure to it and how it connects then with 2 John and 3 John. So 2 John and 3 John, the basic structure, I mean, th- these sound a little bit more like a letter, don't they? So verse 1 of 2 John, the elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth. Verse 3, grace, mercy and peace will be will be with us from God the Father, from Jesus Christ the Father, Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth. So so yeah, you've got a bit more of a letter. Um, you've got at the end, though I have much to write to you, I'd rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come and talk to you face to face. So this is this really sounds a little bit more like a, a proper note. It's a smaller thing. It's written in ink. You'd rather speak to them face to face, but he's got to say something in the letter and send
1: it by royal yes. mail it's a standard what you would expect from a letter isn't it <laughs>
0: yeah exactly but the basic thing in this letter in in two john seems to be that he wants them to keep verse six walk according to his commandments this is the commandment just as you heard from the beginning so you should walk in it which is love one another which he's just said so that's exactly what you've just talked about in one john but the reason is, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and an antichrist. And the rest of the letter is basically saying, look, if they come along, they turn up at your church, they turn up at your house, they're asking for money, if they're asking for support, for lodging, for, for to distribute their pamphlets, you know, for them and and help give them public speaking appointments, you know, all those sorts of things that you sort of use your imagination to think through what would this sort of things these people be asking for. Well he's saying, well do not do that. Don't support them. Don't rejoice in their teaching. Don't do those things because you you've effectively taken part in their wicked works if you do that. And like I said before, the background to to this is pretty much identical, isn't it? To one John where the many yeah. de- deceivers and the the antichrists have have gone out. And there's this this almost test that we we've got to that he, he applies. If they come with the teaching, uh, with the teaching of Christ with them, then great, receive them. But if they do not bring this teaching, don't receive them into your house.
1: So that is a really strong link, isn't there, between that as being a practical application of the stuff that happened in that was spoken about in 1 John mm. 4, so talking about the Antichrist, you know, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You know, they were, yes, it's already in the world, and then in 2 John it's actually a like a personal letter saying this is how you now deal with it. With that kind of link between theory and practice, what do we know about what they might have been teaching these these people who they were to s- sort of steer away from the door and not rejoice with? And what was doing the rounds in, in those days?
0: Yeah, so it's back to this verse seven, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Okay, that's that's the word and that's the, that's exactly the same in 1 John 4 as well. It's, so it's what it's probably referring to is is docetism, d- docetism, whatever you want to pronounce it. So a, a docetic Christ is which some people were uh, promoting quite soon after the apostolic or, or you know towards the end of the apostolic era. They were basically saying, "Oh Christ was just a being that appeared to be a human, but wasn't actually a real human. wasn't actually in the flesh. It was more to have, you know, some sort of appearance. So, f- for example, Craig Keener in the IVP Bible Background Commentary says it might be a docetic denial that Jesus was actually human and actually died. So there's a denial of his humanity and his death. And so John's fighting back at that and, and saying, look, if anyone can't say that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, then you shouldn't have anything to do with them which is really interesting actually that, that that any teaching that denies the humanity of Jesus is basically a red flag that's what i think it's saying and i just want to just transplant ourselves out of this situation just to modern day and just for a second if you'll allow me just to, generally you hear people saying if you deny the divinity of Jesus then you're not a christian and and they quite often will turn up these passages for example 1 john 4 to, to basically justify that you know and say that you know if you deny the that Jesus was God incarnate, then you're not a true Christian. But actually, they're saying the very opposite, aren't they? They're saying that if you deny the humanity of Jesus, then you're not really a real Christian. That's what what John is saying. And you've got to go to other parts of the, the New Testament to see whether Jesus was both god and human but certainly in here you know it, it isn't claiming that the thing that, that a lot of christians will try and put this passage into to use it for so john certainly the writer of these letters he wouldn't receive you he wouldn't fellowship with you he won't have anything to do with you or support you if you deny the humanity of jesus which i think is the real thing he's getting at Have we got time for an interesting tangent
1: yeah let's have a random
0: tangent there's <laughs> a similar thing that happened in 1 john 5 isn't there where you get in verse 7 that really infamous oh, verse okay. that is in the king james bible but then not in modern translations it's probably the most certain verse that we know was added by a scribe which really shouldn't be there the whole the father the word and the holy spirit and these three are one you, you know what yeah, i'm talking I, about yeah, i'm sure okay. and uh, erasmus basically put that in under duress from the catholic church so that's just fascinating, it, again, that that this sort of Trinitarian idea was, was inserted into that that letter. But really, it, it, that that verse abs- absolutely shouldn't have been there. And often the text really isn't sort of arguing about those sorts of things. It's really got another historical background, like Docetism, for example, in this situation. So, tangent over. So, there we go. I think
1: the point you make there about this being a marker in 2 to John's... Um, Verse seven. You know the way that we we learn from this is if you hear stuff that sounds a little bit like this, then your hackles should go up. Now in this case, it was an actual real thing that was happening. There was a there was a, mm. a divergence from the truth that had been preached by the apostles that had been given to them by Christ. And the very fact that the you know, we're here in like 90s AD, so we're probably about 60 years after Jesus, and already you have got people saying. Jesus actually wasn't really around and he was not, you know, he wasn't there in the flesh. And so you can see, can't you, why that, that could develop over time and, and become even something even more detached from from the realities of what the Apostles spoke about. Okay, so that's 2 John. Uh, let's go on to 3 John. How does that connect with what we yeah. have been speaking about?
0: Okay, yeah, so 3 John, it's only little. You're going to find it's really similar to 2 John, actually. It, and I, I think it's brilliant. These two little letters next to each other, and they're almost little mirrors of each other. There's some really interesting features that, that say that, that are very similar, even to the point of at the end he says, I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon. We'll talk face to face. And, you know, maybe that's just his standard sign off <laughs> signature. <laughs> it, but it, it just invites you then, I think, to, to put these letters alongside each other and think, okay, so what's the point of this one? So 2 John is basically saying, Watch out for some dudes walking around pretending to be Christian, but they are actually not. Don't support them. Well, what's 3 John about? Well, verse 5. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. So this is like the opposite of two, John. Now there's people wandering preachers and, and ministers and whoever else going around and teaching and preaching. And John is now saying, you should support these. And well done for your efforts for these brothers. They were strangers to you. And you should send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. So the point is that John is saying that they ought to receive these sorts of people. And and so what you've got is these polar opposites or these, these mirror letters here saying and this is interesting you've you've kind of got the light and dark themes in one john haven't you you've got loving your brother hate or hating your brother and you know if you don't receive these people then you could end up hating your brother like cain you should be showing your love but actually if you're receiving all the the devious preachers who who want support and and lodgings and uh, and fellowshipping with them but they're actually denying Jesus has come in the flesh well then you 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 are actually embracing the darkness and you know you can you can all these little themes that have come up in 1 John suddenly get sort of outworked in a real practical situation a, a situation that's different from today you know in the days of Emails and and Twitter and and whatever else and communication is all different. But but in a very first century wandering ministers and preachers situation where people just turn up. Well, what are you gonna? Are these genuine people? How do you? What do they know? What do they believe? What what are they standing for? And here's a little practical guide, as it were, for living out those real themes in one John that that flow out of the gospel and the new commandments and which is an old commandment they flow out of that and here's a little guide of how some communities were were sorting it out or were, were advised and, and instructed to sort it out in the in the first century yeah.
1: fascinating so the way that you presented it there is almost like to john People might be taking a very imbalanced view of applying the things mm. in one John. However, you've got the counterbalance of that in three John, so that actually you do weigh these two things up and you go, "Do mm. I test that this person is actually sharing the same faith as me? Can I then, and do I actually share fellowship?" And therefore, and, yeah. and 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 the opposite is, well, actually they're not, and I should be, you know, not receiving them. I should be not rejoicing with them. And that's one theme actually we didn't pick out from 1 John, which was this idea of fellowship. And then that idea of actually, if you have the light of the gospel, you therefore have fellowship and share this with the apostles and with other brethren and sisters. And then, yeah. and then almost like, well, what do you do about that? Well, that's, that's 2 John and 3 John. If you, if you have that sharing, then mm. go and apply it in 2 John and 3 John examples. Great stuff.
0: And it's connected to the whole light-darkness theme, isn't it? So, you know, if you are walking in the light, then you, you have fellowship. So, you know, everyone in the light shares that. And it's just interesting to think about, you know, in Christian circles and Christian communities, it's sometimes really easy to call out the heretic or point to the other and point to those that are spouting nonsense and, uh, <laughs> that you think that they are anyway. But actually, there's this real, like, Im- importance here to to seek out people. Who, who are in the light and and do that. So, if anyone anyone listening is, you know, sitting on their own and doesn't have that, really, this is it's so important and so helpful to you to to seek out church communities and be together with people, you know, who are walking in the light. And, you know, it's, it's never going to be a perfect situation or a perfect church because that's exactly what the situation we see worked out in, in these letters, a, a practical sort of messy real-life situation. But... But being together to, to serve each other is is what John is talking about. Yeah,
1: and I think with this this practical application here, we also maybe see the beginnings of things like the you know Didache, with where you've got communities sort of documenting the way in yeah. which they implement some of these theological points that they would read in the apostles. Like that, obviously, that that document's not inspired, and it was man's attempt to try and implement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. That's
0: right, rooted very much Mm. in in these letters, Mm. I I think, in in other parts of the New Testament. So, cool, okay, right, so we're getting to the end. Are there any sort of other useful connections to different parts of the Bible that are worth talking about?
1: Yeah, and I think when you're going through all these three, uh, just have your Torah with a twist detector out and see if if you can spot any of those Old Testament links. But also links with the Gospel of John too. You know, just one of those themes is about bearing witness. Like one of the things in, in John 21, right at the end of, of the Gospel of John, it says, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who has written these things that we may know that his testimony is true. And go and have a look in, 1 John, like the number of times it says, we know, we know, we know. Mm. And uh, witnesses like uh, 1 John 5 about the three witnesses, we messed about with but the three witnesses are spirit, water and blood and like, so these things witness to the truth of something. And so go and have a look at that link with, with the Gospel of John as well. What would you recommend to listeners about reading these letters for themselves? Like what would they look out for?
0: Yeah, so one thing I think we've tried to emphasise is that this is a different kind of letter. Well, 1 John is a different letter. And then 2 John, 3 John really emphasise how that this should be a practical outworking. There's so many links and themes and thoughts that run through 1 John that you could sometimes get a bit hung up with it and not think about how this should be applicable. But it is really important to to do that, to think about how this should affect your life, how this should affect or be applied in your life, in your church, in your community. And so maybe that's something for people to look out for to sort of sit in 1 John and in all those majestic themes, really think about them, dwell in them, meditate on them, consider how they're applied in 2 John and 3 John, and then and then really think hard about how you can sort of pick those principles up and apply them in, in what will be in your life a very different sort of set of circumstances as, as it will be in, in my life. and and uh, But ultimately, there's some really good good ground rules and and guidance and, and ultimately one new commandment, which really isn't new. It's just an old commandment, but it's been lived out by Jesus himself. So, yeah, look out for that and look at how you can take those ideas and, and put them to your life. There's been quite a few uh, episodes that we've done previously that, that have popped in my head as we've been reading th- through this and, and talking through this. So we've mentioned a little bit about the whole sort of Trinity debate and jesus's humanity or his divinity and and things like that and, and there are some trinity episodes that we've done if you go to biblefeed.org and search for trinity you'll you, you'll find many of them there so there's a few episodes and, and blogs and things that connect to that and then we mentioned that verse that was uh, snuck in to one john five and we have done a two-part episode on textual criticism so you can have a look up at that as well if that's uh, more interesting to you and then you did the with Paul didn't you you did life in a first century church
1: yeah, yeah, and we had some yeah. random Roman names as well so you did
0: yeah. that was good bring it all to life so uh, there's a few New Testament based episodes that we've done that, that link to this so uh, yeah thanks very much biblefeed.org is where you want to go and uh, you can find us on Facebook as well and on Twitter and uh, little children keep yourselves from
1: idols good point